Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. How many of you have taken a personality profile like the Myers-Briggs or the DISC or the Enneagram? Most of us love the insights these personality profiles uncover. After all, these insights are about one of our favorite topics, right? Ourselves. I love learning about me. You may not realize it, but learning more about ourselves is actually an incredibly important part of growing in our relationship with Jesus. The famous theologian John Calvin said it well, without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. Calvin is highlighting the intimate connection between a growing self-awareness and a growing faith. As we become more fully aware of who we are and how we are uniquely wired, we can become more fully present in our relationships, especially in our relationship with God. So today, we are all going to have the opportunity to discover more about ourselves so that as we grow in our self-awareness, we can grow deeper in our God dependence. We're in week two of our series, Genetically Generous. And last week we learned that every single one of us is wired for generosity because we're made in the image of a generous God. If we ask God to take a personality test, generous would be one of his most prominent characteristics. We see this generosity throughout scripture as he is the God who gives life, the God who provides, and ultimately the God who gave himself on the cross. And we, as human beings made in his image, are also wired for generosity. To some degree, we can't help but be generous because generosity is in our DNA. Yet there are some nuances about our genetic wiring that we're going to uncover today. Now, before we go any further, I want to acknowledge a couple things that might make it hard for some of us to really lean in to the series on generosity. When we talk about generosity, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about living generously. But that does include money. And in our culture, it's hard to talk about money and sometimes even harder to engage in this conversation in the church. So let me just start off with a few disclaimers that might help if you struggle with this topic. First, there is no big ask at the end of this series. We genuinely believe that God has hardwired each of us to be generous. And our goal with this series is to help each of us come to better understand our unique wiring. So take a deep breath. There's no big ask at the end of this series. Now, second, I know that it can seem self-serving for pastors to talk about the 10% tithe in the church. If you struggle with that, wondering if we have ulterior or self-serving motives, Go ahead and start your generosity journey by giving your biblical 10% tithe somewhere else. Give it to another church. You are wired to live a generous life because you are made in the image of a generous God. And we want you to flourish in who God created you to be by being faithful and obedient to his commands. But I want you to be ruthlessly honest with yourself if you still struggle to give because you can't afford to let anything block the way to your true flourishing in the kingdom of God, for God created you 
to be generous. The psalmist reminds us of God's intimate involvement in creating us. He declares, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God knew what he was doing when he made you. He created you as a reflection of himself. The generosity wiring he put in you is both unique and intentional. However, our wiring can get crossed or disconnected based on the money stories we've adopted from our past experiences or our families of origin. So, during this series, we want to help one another reconnect and re-engage our genetically generous wiring to more fully become who we were created to be. Remember, the more we can know and understand ourselves, the more fully and authentically we can grow in our relationship with God. As we prepared for this series, we asked an attender here at Community to help us better understand our generosity wiring. He's been part of Community for years and serves as one of the elders on our leadership commission. He's a committed Christ follower who also happens to be a successful business consultant with many years of experience, including being a regular contributor to the Harvard Business Review. He's used his business expertise to help companies better understand the motivations driving their customers. And he wondered if some of the same principles could apply to our motivation for generosity. So with his help, we surveyed hundreds of people to collect data that could teach us about these motivations. And what emerged were six distinct generosity profiles that help us better understand our motivations to give. Now, the, the community attender we were working with determined that a simple eight-question survey would be able to predict someone's generosity profile with 70% accuracy. Since it's just eight questions, we thought it would be fun to take this generosity survey, survey right now. So if you have a smartphone, take it out, scan this QR code, or open your browser and go to mygenprofile.com. I'll give you a few minutes to take it, but let me also assure you that those who don't have a smartphone, uh, you'll be able to figure out your generosity profile too. In just a few moments, I'm going to start walking us through the profile. So pay attention to which one resonates most with you. It's likely your generosity profile. But let's wait for our survey takers to be done, and then we'll dive into the profile descriptions.
If you were able to take the survey, there is a 70% chance it got your profile right. Hopefully hearing these descriptions will confirm that, or if the survey didn't peg you, help you figure out the correct one. Keep in mind, we most likely aren't purely driven by only one motivation. That's why your results show a primary and a secondary profile. But hopefully this will help all of us understand ourselves better when it comes to generosity. There are six primary motivations, and while you aren't likely motivated by all of these, there is something for all of us in each of the motivations or profiles. Today, we're going to zoom in on these first three, and you'll have to come back next week to learn more about the other three. So first, where are our community growers? Community growers, you are motivated by being part of a community. You love it when a group of people or even an entire community come together to do something significant as a team. Uh, we thought of a story from the Old Testament when we thought of you. In the time of Moses, God gave instructions to the Israelite community to build a tabernacle where his presence would dwell. And the whole community rallied around this project. Those with the skills to construct the tabernacle volunteered their time and their talents, and everyone in the community brought offerings morning after morning to pay for the cost of construction. In fact, Scripture tells us that they gave so generously that Moses had to tell the people to stop giving. That's a community grower's dream, or at least a pastor's dream. Not sure we've ever had to tell people to stop giving. Community growers, you believe the mission requires everyone to pull together and do their part. To you, giving of one's time and talents is just as important as giving financially. You believe that when an entire church comes together in the name of Jesus and generously gives of their time, talents, and treasures, that they can be an unstoppable force. Community growers, you are often the first people to sign up for volunteer opportunities and typically serve faithfully on a ministry team. You give financially because you know it's important to do your part, but admittedly, you sometimes get frustrated when we talk about financial generosity because you like to champion the other aspects of generosity. We know this because we hear from you. As we were planning this message, we learned that John Ferguson, one of our founding pastors, is a community grower. He told us that some of his most meaningful memories growing up in the church and here at Community are when we have all come together to do something no one person or even a, a small group of people could ever do on their own. John talked about celebration generosity every October when collectively we give huge amounts of money to great causes all over the world. Uh, there have been celebration generosity Sundays when, when our giving has exceeded $600,000 in one day. There are few people who could give that on their own, but collectively we can, and it feels so great to do something that significant together. John also mentioned our annual gift marts where we come together across all of our Chicagoland locations to make hundreds of under-resourced families in our area have the ability to buy gifts for their kids to open on Christmas morning. These are community-growing moments when we come together to do something that we could never do on our own. Community growers, 
I want you to know that you reflect the image of our generous God when you cheerfully give out of your motivation to be part of a community. Next up, the budget keeper. The primary motivation for a budget keeper is being wise. Now, how many of you think you are a budget keeper? Those of you who aren't budget keepers might be thinking, well, that profile doesn't sound very fun. But if you are a budget keeper, you actually get a rush out of crunching numbers. And how do I know? Well, because I'm one of you. Budget keepers have a high sense of responsibility. We want to manage money wisely and actually enjoy budgeting and planning. We value generosity, but approach giving very carefully, often asking questions like, what can I afford to give? And then when we determine that number, we do our very best to stick with it. When an unforeseen expense comes up, such as a home or auto repair, we, we may even be tempted to tighten the reins on giving because predictability is so important to us. The writer of Proverbs describes a woman who honors God by seeking him in everything she does and trusting him wholeheartedly. She is a great example of a budget keeper. Though we don't know her name, she is described as a woman of noble character, as one with a high level of responsibility for meeting the needs of her family and others. In fact, she is praised not just for her wisdom in business deals, but for how she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She is wise in how she manages her resources, and the writer of Proverbs tells us that we should honor her. Now, if, like me, you are a budget keeper, God has likely wired you to like numbers and spreadsheets and calculations. In fact, fun fact about me, before changing course to become a pastor, I got my undergrad degree in math and computer science. I actually love sitting down twice a month to crunch the numbers in my budget and make sure my finances are in order. I even took over my aging parents' finances this past year, and now I get to play with numbers twice as much. And I know that might sound crazy to some of you, but it's how God has wired budget keepers. Budget keepers, you reflect the image of our generous God when you cheerfully give out of your motivation of being wise with your money. There is something strangely satisfying to budget keepers about planning and managing money wisely. And something unique about budget keepers is this. Unlike most people, we typically enjoy talking about money. Yes, this is fun for me. All right, last profile for today. How many of you came out as a faith stretcher? Faith stretchers, you are motivated by spiritual growth. You see generosity as part of your faith journey. You stretch yourselves to give because you believe that God will be faithful and reward your faithfulness. Now, you don't necessarily expect that reward to be monetary, and that's okay for you because you know that in giving generously, you are growing spiritually, and that's enough incentive for you. When our teaching team talked about faith stretchers, a lesser known but amazing story from the Old Testament came to mind. You can find it in 1 Kings 17. During a time of, of drought and, and famine, the prophet Elijah was sent by God to a widow in a town called Zarephath. And when Elijah arrived, he found 
the widow gathering sticks to make a fire so she could cook what she believed was her last meal. She was convinced that she and her son were about to die from starvation. Now, Elijah asked her to bring him a little water and a piece of bread, but the widow told Elijah that she had only enough flour and oil to make one small cake of bread for herself and her son. And after that, they would have nothing to eat. Well, Elijah boldly tells her to make the bread for him first, promising that God would provide enough flour and oil for her and her son until this famine ended. Well, the widow trusted God and did as Elijah asked. And miraculously, her jar of flour and jug of oil were replenished so that she and her son had enough to eat throughout the remainder of this drought. And what is key in this story is that the widow did what she believed God was calling her to do. She acted in faith in response to God. Can you imagine that kind of faith? Imagine being faithful enough to give up the only food you had for yourself and your child. That is what I call faith stretching. A friend of mine who is a faith stretcher told us a story about one of her first experiences with giving generously. As a little girl, she went to church every Sunday, but there was one Sunday she said she'll never forget. It was her birthday, and in the little purse she bought, uh, brought with her to church uh, was a $5 bill of birthday money folded neatly and tucked away. This was back in the day when $5 was a lot for a kid. Well, when the offering plate was passed, she said she felt a nudge from God urging her to put her birthday money in the offering plate, and she tried to quiet the voice in her head, but she couldn't. And so she reluctantly unfolded that $5 bill and and placed it in the plate as it went by. Now, she will tell you that while she was relieved that she did what she thought God wanted her to do, she was also very sad to lose that money. Well, after the service, as she was about to walk out of the church building to go home, an elderly man approached her and said, I hear it's somebody's birthday today. Is that right? And she looked up and said, yes, it's my birthday. And then the man reached into his pocket and said, I have a little something for the birthday girl. And he placed a crisp $10 bill in her hand. I wish I could have seen the look on her face when she saw that $10 bill. Now, of course, things don't always happen this way. But when we step out in faith, we open ourselves up to see God at work. Faith stretchers, they give because they are faithful to God and they they know they will grow spiritually as they give. A researcher, Barna, recently surveyed church attenders in regards to giving, and one of their findings really stuck out to me. They say, of church attenders who report a lot of spiritual growth over the past year, 38% say they give at least a tithe. So, faith stretchers, you are on to something. And we want you to know that you reflect the image of our generous God when you cheerfully give out of your motivation to grow spiritually. Now, that's all we have time for today. So you'll have to come back next week to learn about the other three profiles. For now, let me encourage you to set your sights on growing in generosity. Lean into God as you learn more about yourself. Be someone who leverages your natural motivation to be generous in all you do. For when we choose to give cheerfully, we become conduits of the generosity of God. This God who decided to make a difference 
in your life and in my life. He knew that apart from his love, we were spiritually dead, but being wise beyond all wisdom, he had a plan for spiritual growth to make us spiritually alive. He gave the most generous gift imaginable himself in the person of Jesus who in joyful obedience went to the cross, sacrificing himself so that you and I could experience being part of a community, the family of God. Through us, he is leaving a legacy as we help more and more people find their way back to our generous God. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.